So uh, today we're continuing the series we started two weeks ago called I Am. And uh, how many of you have ever been in a situation where uh, you didn't have any lights? How many of you have ever been in a situation like the power was out, something like that, yeah? It's frustrating, isn't it? How many of you have ever got hurt? <laughs> that time you, you tripped on something, you fell down, you know, really just because you couldn't see. I remember when um, Hurricane Katrina hit uh, where we lived in Long Beach, Mississippi, and um, I, my family and I evacuated here to avoid the devastation of the storm. And then about three days after, uh, my brother-in-law, Jeremy, who serves as the worship and youth leader here at our church, and our father-in-law, who pastored here 35 years, us three went down to do an assessment of the area and figure out, you know, what was gone, what was there, all of that stuff. And it was, it was devastation like I've never seen in my life. It's unbelievable devastation. Our town that we lived in took a 32-foot storm surge wave, and the destruction area was the size of Great Britain. 75% of the homes in our area had, had major damage to the roof. I mean, it's just widespread. And so we went into this chaos war zone, and we stayed at our youth pastor's house uh, down there, and there was no electricity, there was no power, there was no, no clean water, uh, some of the roads were completely impassable, there was just destruction everywhere. His house was backed up to the fire department, so it's kind of a safe place to stay. We bunkered, bunkered in there for a couple nights. But it was at the end of August, you know, it was, it was uh, nearly 100 degrees every day. And at night, you would hear Black Hawk helicopters flying over with spotlights, you know, trying to, you know, maintain order of some kind and Humvees. It was just a crazy place. But at night, it was so dark. You, you, when you were in the house, you could put your hand up to your face like this, and you could not see your hand. I've heard people say that before, and I really didn't believe it. I believe it. <laughs> you could not see your hand in front of your face because there were no street lights. There was no light as far as you could see. So in that environment, we had to live. You know, at night, it would cool off to like 99, you know, nice and breezy. And so we, we would work all day out in the heat, you know, and hydrate. And then at night, we'd come in and try to cool off a little bit. All the windows were open. The doors were open. We didn't have any, anything. And so we'd shower and try to take a cold shower. And uh, when we got out of the shower, you know, you had to try to find a way around the house. So somebody had lended us. You, how many of you ever seen one of those handheld flashlights? The face is about that big. You ever seen one of those? And it's like 800 gabillion candle watts, something like that. You know, it'll, it'll burn insects on, you know what I'm saying? It's incredible. Somebody had lended us one of those. And so um, I was in the shower and when I came out, I was, I was going to go across the room. And it's just, you know, as soon as the water comes off, you start sweating. And I'm coming across the hallway. And Jeremy decided it'd be a really fun thing when I crossed the hallway to hit me with that light. <laughs> you got to understand, you hadn't seen light in hours. And it's like a train was coming down the hallway. That light, bam, hit me in my eyes. And, and I don't know how to describe this, but it was so bright. I never, I never experienced this. I could, it's like I was getting a sunburn. I could feel the power of the lamp on my flesh, on my skin. It was, ah, I thought I was being electrocuted. I was burning. And so, of course, when that happened, uh, we decided it would be fun to share with other people in the house. And so uh, go ahead and turn the lights off. And I, I, I spared you today 
because I didn't want to, you know, hurt you. But we decided that we do the same thing, and we walked around the house like, like this. So we went and found my father-in-law, who was asleep, and we didn't care. So we went in the room and just shined this light. Anybody feel this? We shine this light. On, you look like deer. We shine this light on him, and just and he goes, ow, 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 ow. We like burned his flesh, and then he goes, hey, come on, let's get somebody else. So he got up, and then we, we went. So there's three of us now behind one big lamp. And we went around the house, and we just shined this everywhere. Every, so we went to my youth pastor and burned his face off, and we had the best time. I, anybody remember what it's like to be that light? It's pretty cool, isn't it? You, you have no idea how much power you feel in a moment like this. You feel so powerful just because you can hurt people and blind them. Anyway, you turn the lights back on. So I just wanted you to get kind of a visual of, uh, of what that moment was like. Now, around 2,000 years ago, Jesus said... I am the light of the world. Why did he say that? What did he mean when he said, I'm the light of the world? Just to review, the last few weeks we've been in a series called I Am, and what I've been encouraging you to do is to block out what everybody else says about Jesus. You know, media, culture, whatever. Block out everything everybody else says and block out your own thoughts about him, and just try to listen fresh to what Jesus said about himself. So we call this series, I Am Jesus in His Own Words. What did Jesus say about himself? Now, why is that important? Here's the reason it's important. When we get a clear picture of who Jesus is, we get a clear picture of who God wants us to be. So if you don't have a clear picture of Jesus you're going to be confused about a lot of what the Bible says and a lot of the things that God does in your life. You're going to be confused about them because God is on a mission. His mission is to make you like Jesus. And if you don't understand what he's trying to turn you into, what he's trying to make you like, the mold he's trying to uh, transform you into, you will misunderstand and be confused about a lot of what's going on because God's trying to make you like Jesus. Now, Jesus gave us a crystal clear picture. In the book of John, Jesus said seven times, I am, and then gave us a descriptor. I am something. Uh, the first Sunday, we talked about how he said, I am the bread of life. Last week, he said, I am the gate. Today, we're going to look at how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you'll turn to John chapter 8 and just leave your Bible open, we have a, a variety of scriptures I'm going to show you this morning. But to understand why Jesus said, I am the light of the world, you have to know the background of this chapter in the book of John. Two really important things happen just before Jesus said, I am the light of the world, that helps us understand what it would have meant to the people who heard it the first time. The first one is uh, they were just finishing the festival of tabernacles. Now, that's the Jewish people had festivals, had a lot of festivals that God had given them to celebrate. And you and I really don't have a way to relate to those festivals. I mean, I was trying to think what would be a parallel. We don't have a parallel. They're so culturally different than anything we know in our life experience, it's hard for us to understand. The, the Festival of Tabernacles was celebrated in the fall. It was celebrated uh, for eight days. 
It was a celebration of the recent harvest that they gained in the summer and early fall. It was a celebration to God and uh, gratitude to God for thanking Him for the food that had just come in. They're uh, a very agricultural type type country, uh, type uh, people. And so harvest, that cycle of harvest, wasn't like you just go to the grocery store any time of the year and get, you know, certain things. Uh, they functioned off that flow of the harvest. It also was a celebration to remind them of how God took care of their ancestors when, he, when they were in the wilderness. Maybe you've heard the story of how the Jews walked into the wilderness in the desert for 40 years. And God sustained them in a place where they shouldn't have been able to A million people should not have been able to survive. But they did survive because God sustained them and brought them to what the Bible calls as the promised land, to a better land, a better place. And so this festival was given to the people by God to remind them that it's God who sustains them. It's not anything or anybody else. It's not their job. It's not the land. It's not any of that. God is really the source of all that. So during the festival, uh, the city would have been packed with people. People would have come from the country and out, out, all the outlying areas to celebrate. And you can see this picture I brought. Each night of the festival, the priest would have uh, lit four large candle abras. Uh, and if you, can, if you can grab this picture, it's kind of hard to see. But do you see this main square? I can't describe for you how gigantic this is. If you could see the picture in a little better resolution, you could see these little speckles are people. They're about that big. So this is, this is a gigantic uh, temple. This is a gigantic courtyard. And it is huge candle abras that were lit by the priest each night of the festival. And they were so, the flames were so large that it was said that it lit the entire city of Israel. Everywhere in Israel during the festival, there was a glow of light because these four flames were so large, one in each corner. So this was one of the immediate backdrops when Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, you can begin to imagine what he meant. Here's the second important thing. Maybe you've heard the story in Scripture where these religious leaders caught this woman in the act of adultery. She was literally in the act. And they caught her. And so the morning after the eight-day festival ended, Jesus gathered in the temple, in the court, and he had sat down, the Bible said, to teach people. And the Pharisees bust in, they dragged this woman. Some accounts say she was, she was half or completely nude, drug her in, threw her in front of this crowd Jesus was teaching in front of Jesus' face and said, we caught this woman in the act of adultery. What do you think we ought to do to her? Now, the Bible says that they did this because they were trying to trap Jesus. Here's what the law says, they quoted. The law says we should stone her to death. Jesus, what do you say? Here's what Jesus said in John 8, 7. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who was without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. So they were trying to trap Jesus in this legal trap. Jesus was saying, now look, you have to go into the nuance of the Greek to catch this. But what Jesus was actually saying when he said... You who have no sin through the first stone. He wasn't even just talking about sin. He was talking about sin's desire, if you look in the Greek. So Jesus was saying, you can stone her on one condition. That you never wanted to do what you caught her doing. Then you can stone her. All the rocks hit the ground and they walked away. Because 
he caught them in their own evil desire. John chapter 8, 11, Jesus said to her, where are your accusers? Or does anybody condemn you? She said, no one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus said. Go now and leave your life of sin. Those two important things happened. And the very next verse is John 8, 12 that says, when Jesus spoke again, so this all just went down, he turns back and looks at the crowd he's teaching. Jesus spoke again to the people and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Can you see how the people hearing these words would have heard them? It would have sounded something like this. Hey, remember those big flames you saw in the temple courts for the last eight nights? They reminded you that the God of the Old Testament led those million people. The Bible says the way God led those million people at night was there's this giant fireball that would gather in the sky. And those million people, if they could see the fireball, they would follow it through the wilderness for 40 years. And they knew they were going the right way because they would see the fireball. Jesus was saying, I'm that God. The God who put the fireball in the sky is looking in your face. That's how they would have heard it. I am the light of the world. I am that God. Then there's this woman caught in the middle of sin. She's caught in the middle of guilt and shame. And, and she, is, she is called to forgiveness by the light of of the world. Jesus is saying, you have been living in darkness, but there's a better way. Go and sin no more. There's another way. And the light of the world shined on her life, shined and showed the darkness, but showed a better way. So how is Jesus the light of the world? If you have something to write with, let me give you four thoughts this morning. Number one, light reveals God. Light reveals God. This theme of light in the Bible, I, I struggled to figure out how we were ever going to narrow this down. I would call this a mega theme. The word light, depending on your translation, will be found in the Bible 250 to 300 times. It's in the book of John 29 times. This is a mega, mega theme. In most cases, if not in every case. You could take this phrase, every time you see the word light in the Bible, you could take this phrase and substitute it, and it would be accurate. Instead of light, say, revelation of God. The light is a revelation of God. So let me show you how this works in Genesis chapter 1-3. All the way at the beginning of creation, the Bible says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Let's, let's reframe that. And God said, let there be a revelation of God, and there was a revelation of God. Because the world was dark and, and void and empty, but the light of God, the revelation of God, penetrated the world and showed that there is, there is a creator. This is what Jesus as the light of the world means. God is a God who wants to reveal himself, and he's been revealing himself since the beginning. He's not hiding. He's not trying to trick you. He's not hard to find. God is, from the beginning, revealing himself to you. God wants to be known. He wants to show himself to you. He wants to show up. He wants to show out. He wants you to see him for who he is. 
And God reveals himself in so many ways in creation, in mountains and valleys and rivers and oceans and the sun and the moon and the stars and the universe. God has revealed himself as creator. In, in, in our own human bodies, in our own humanity, we are made, the Bible says, in the likeness of God. We're the only thing that's made in the likeness of God, in the image of God. The capacity to learn, the capacity to, to build things, to discover things, the biology of our bodies, our internal. We, we humans have a universal sense of right and wrong. We might disagree on what's right and wrong, but we have a universal sense that there is right and wrong. Where does that come from? It comes from the likeness of God. He's revealed himself to us through history. Do you know the Bible, there's, there's a um, technical name for the Bible that means salvation history. The Bible is the, is the history of how God has acted throughout all of time in order to reveal himself to us. That's what the whole Bible is. And then there's miracles. How do you explain supernatural things that happen on the earth that create good. How do you explain them? They are revelations of God. They are works of God to reveal himself. And then there's people's lives that have just changed. How do you explain a person on the brink of suicide whose life is changed and then goes on to live a life of purpose and joy? How do you explain that? That's a revelation of God. How do you explain someone who turns from a selfish person to a generous person? Or, or, a, or a person filled with uh, hatred that turns into a loving person? Or a person dominated with fear who now lives in peace? Those changed lives are a revelation of God to the whole world. It's God showing off and saying, I'm real and here I am. And then there's those little things. Um, people who don't believe in God call them coincidences, impressions, thoughts, impulses to do good. Where do those come from? They are revelations of God. Now, maybe you're sitting here thinking, okay, all right, all right. If God wants to reveal himself so much, why do I sometimes feel the way I do? Why do I have a hard time believing God or finding God, it is because you and I live in greater darkness than we think we do. And so it's not that God hasn't revealed in every way. It's the darkness that we were born into is a great darkness. <laughs> and so we strain to see we, we wonder, where, where is God, and what's he going to do, and does he know who I am? Does he know what I'm going through? Maybe the right question is not, why is it hard to believe? Maybe the right question is, why does anybody believe? Because God has revealed himself. That's the only answer. Nobody believes in God because they decide to. Nobody just, nobody just on their own unilaterally says, I got this figured out, there's a God. Science and technology are never going to prove there's a God. We can only believe there's a God because he's revealed himself to us. Otherwise, we'd bump around in darkness our whole life and never know. 
This is what Jesus told one of his disciples in Matthew 16, 7. Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. Nobody taught you this. Nobody showed you this. Nobody decided this. Look, what does he say? But my Father in heaven... If you believe there's a God, there's only one reason you could ever believe that. It's because God decided to reveal himself to us. And here's the good news. God didn't just decide to reveal himself to his disciples. He's decided to reveal himself to all of us, to the whole world. John 1.9 says the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And this is why Jesus said, I'm the light of the world because light reveals God. Number two, light exposes darkness. John 3.20, everyone who does evil hates the light. Here's the principle. And will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Light exposes darkness. I remember when I was a kid, we had relatives. I was a city kid, but we had relatives in the country. How many of you had country relatives? How many of you know country people and city people live different? Come on. Yeah. Some of you grew up in the country, you know. And so, so here's one of the differences uh, I found in the city and the country. In the country, people live with bugs. In the city, we hire exterminators. In the country, people accept bugs as a fact of life. So I can remember I had these country relatives we'd go see, and they were really poor, and we'd go out. And I remember sometimes we'd come in at night, and we'd come in at night, you'd flip the light on, and there's all these bugs in the middle of the floor. You know, they panic, like, which way do we go? Which way do we go? And you go, I had no idea. <laughs> and we're going home. I had no idea there were that many bugs in this house. But when the lights went out and it got dark, the bugs all creeped out. But when the light came on, everything was exposed. And do you know that's one of the things that light does? That's one of the things that Jesus does is he shows you the bugs in your life. But God never, God never reveals anything negative about you to embarrass you or to shame you. He only reveals darkness so that he can heal you. In fact, God's so good, he'll only reveal a little bit of darkness at a time. He'll reveal one bug at a time because we can't handle it. He'll reveal a little something, and then he'll heal it. And he'll reveal a little something, and he'll heal it. And that's how God is, because God's that good. I can remember about 10 years ago, in my own life, uh, God revealed some, some darkness that was in me. It was about his love. How do, how do you and I receive the love of God? The way that you receive the love of God is you treat yourself and you think about yourself the way God treats you and thinks about you. So you know you're receiving the love of God when you treat yourself the way He treats you. It's got to be right. It can't be wrong. God's not treating you wrong. And you think about yourself the way God thinks about you. So when you're thinking about you the way God thinks about you, you're receiving the love of God. Well, God revealed to me that some of my attitudes toward myself proved that I struggled to believe that God really loved me. It was a very unsettling time for me, and it was painful. And I I thought I knew it. 
<laughs> I thought I already knew all that. I had lived a, a good life. I had avoided a lot of sin. I had received a call to ministry as a teenager. I'd given up things that other teenagers didn't give up. And I followed God, and I became a, went to Bible college and you know, sacrificed a lot to go through all that and did a lot of things nobody in my family had ever done and was following the, the, the right way the best I knew how and became a youth pastor and became a pastor. And I'm thinking, how, how can I be at this stage of life and not already know this? But God's light shined deep into my soul and exposed some darkness in me. And what I come to realize is God's love for me was not based on the good decisions I had made or the things I had avoided or the things that I had sacrificed. Actually, I couldn't earn it at all. It was much better than that. He loved me because who he was, not because who I was or anything that I had done. And that deeper revelation of God's love was a healing thing. It was a beautiful thing. It didn't embarrass me. It didn't shame me. It didn't hurt me. It helped me. And when I say to you this morning that God, God's light exposes darkness, it, it can be a heavier, intimidating thing. But I want you to know, He doesn't want to expose any darkness in your life because He has harm in mind for you. He wants to, he wants to expose it because there's a, there's, a, um, there's a roadblock in your life to understanding Him in a better way, experiencing Him in a better way. And until that darkness is removed, you can't encounter Him on a deeper level. And so God, God's light exposes those things. God, let me say it this way, God never reveals darkness to hurt, but only to heal. And so if God leads you down a road that's intimidating, and you are afraid, and you start to feel like you're not as good as you thought you were, are there something you thought you had in order that you don't? Can I give you every encouragement I can? Go ahead and follow. Because it's a good road. And what you're going to learn is going to be worth it. Number three, light gives direction. This is what lighthouses are for, for boats. This is what headlights on your car are for. They help us to see to go the right way. Look at John 8, 12 one more time. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, but look at what he said right after that. Whoever, here's a key word, follows. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let me tell you what light has to do with in the Bible. Light has everything to do with following. So I love this phrase. We say we are followers of Jesus. Why? He's the light of the world. He's showing the way. We are following him. And Jesus said, whoever follows him will never walk in darkness. Are you, we sang this morning, I have decided to follow Jesus. Are you following? That means that we'll know God. That means that we'll see this revelation that God has given through creation and history and miracles and coincidences and all these other things. It also means that we'll know the right way to go or we'll see the right way to go or we'll know how to make right decisions generally because we will be following the light. Have you ever, have you ever wished you knew the future? You ever had that? You don't, you don't have to answer. It's just in your mind. Have you ever wished you knew the future? Particularly when you're in a very complicated moment in life, you say, I just wish I knew what was going to happen. Because then I would know, you know, what to do or what to plan for or whatever. I'd know what decision to make. 
And, and maybe we say that because we, we, we think we want to know the future. But what if the future was really bad? <laughs> what if the future was bad? Would you still want to know it? No, but I think that reveals something about our heart. What we really don't want is to know the future. What we really want is to control the future. It's not knowledge. It's power that we're after. God doesn't give us the ability to do either. But light gives direction, but it doesn't give us our destination. Those are two different things. So if I decided to get in my car at night and go to the mall, I, wouldn't, I could turn my headlights on and they wouldn't show me the mall. They would just show me the next turn. And if I kept taking the next turn that the light showed me, and I kept taking the next turn and the next turn and the next turn, I would eventually get to where I need to go. I would have direction but not destination. And that's what light does. Last week I was so struck if you were here. How many, how many of you were here last week and saw our missionary interview with John and Dee Dee McClewey? Excellent. Great stuff. I was so struck by their conversation. They had been called as missionaries. They went to Venezuela, had sunk their heart there. And because of political unrest and turmoil in the country, they've been, they've been pulled out of Venezuela. So can you imagine that you, your lifelong call is to work with the people of Venezuela, and then all of a sudden, just when you're getting going, you find out everything's going to change? It's very frustrating and complicated. Now, they are, they are shifting their entire focus to Colombia, and they're going to be working with uh, doing deaf ministry all across Latin America as a base out of Colombia. Now, here's the interesting part. I don't know if you caught in her story, Didi's story. In college, she studied sign language and probably didn't even realize at the time why she was studying it or how helpful it would be. Now, it has become the focus of her entire family's life. Can I tell you something? If you'll just take the next step God gives you, you will end up where you're supposed to go. And that's what his light is for. It's for direction. It's not for control. It's not for destination. It is for direction. Don't wait for something. Big. I think so many times we wait for something, you know, when something really huge comes along, you know, then I'm going to do it. You know, you know when, 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 when I see that somebody's ready to get saved, then I'm going to share my faith. When, when there's some really important job to do, that's what I'm going to do. When there's something that's going to make a huge difference, that's what I'm going to serve. But to be a greeter on Easter, how could that matter? To tell the person next to me that I'm praying for them and that's, and that's all? Just to buy someone's lunch or to offer a, a word of encouragement to invite someone to Easter, sir. It feels so small when something really important comes along. Then, can I encourage you this morning? Do something little. Do something small. If you'll just do the next step God shows you to do, you'll end up where you're supposed to go. But you've got to take the next step. On Christmas Eve, 1939, King George VI took to the radio to calm the fears of the people of England who were on the brink of World War II, and he said this, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand in the hand of God. 
That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. Can I tell you, knowing God and taking the next step he gives you is better than knowing the future or controlling it. Last point. Light reveals God. If you were taking notes or paying attention, you would know by now that was the first point. How's that the first point and the last point? Well, we've come full circle. Jesus was the light. John 9, 5. I don't know if you've ever read this verse this way. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. Have you ever asked the question, well, what about when you're not in the world? While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. What happens Well, Jesus isn't in the world anymore. The Bible's very clear. He lived, he died, he rose from the dead, he went to heaven, and the Holy Spirit came. While I am in the light of the world, I while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Jesus isn't the light of the world anymore in the way that he was when he was on earth. So who is the light of the world now? Matthew 5 14. I'm so glad you asked. Jesus one day was teaching his disciples and he turned and looked at them and said you are the light of the world you are the light of the world a town built on a hill cannot be hidden you are the what does he mean by that it doesn't mean that you and I are God it doesn't mean that you and I are the answer or the source it's like the difference in the sun and the moon The sun is the source, and the moon reflects the sun. At night, when you go outside and there's a full moon, you've seen a beautiful full moon. The last time I went backpacking was one of the great experiences of my life. It was the clearest night I've ever seen. And as we bunked down for the night, and I looked up at the sky, the constellations were brighter than any planetarium that I've ever seen. The moon was so bright, you didn't need a flashlight. You didn't need a headlamp or a flashlight. When when I'd get out of the hammock and walk around, I didn't even take any light with me. It was so, so bright. From my hammock, I stared across the pile of leaves that looked purple under the glare of the moonlight. And that night, I can remember, I had a hard time going to sleep because it was so beautiful. I didn't want to close my eyes because I didn't want to miss anything. It was quiet and cool, and just absolutely beautiful. And this is what Jesus means when he says, you are the light of the world. I am the sun, you are the moon. Now that he's physically not on earth, how will this intention of God that started at the beginning of time when he said, let there be light, And through history and creation and the Bible and miracles and coincidences and Jesus' physical presence on earth, how will this revelation of God continue to go on across time? God's got one other answer. It's you. The Bible says you're the light of the world. So here's the question I have this morning. Are you revealing God? Let me ask it another way. Who has God put in your life that he wants you to reveal him to? Who is it? 
Because you, you surely can't believe that he doesn't want to reveal himself anymore. We can't believe that. We live in a county. We live in a region. We live in a part of the world where Christianity in America, all over America, Christianity is shrinking. The latest statistics tell us the millennial generation, only 4%, only 4% have a biblical understanding and functioning of Christianity. 4%. As time goes by, all we have to do is wait and we'll get less and less Christian. Less and less people will go to heaven. Who has God put in your life that he's trying to reveal himself to? And it's not, it's not the big thing. Let me, let me try to lower some of the pressure this morning. It's not your responsibility to get somebody saved. Because you can't save anybody. It's not your responsibility to, to bring people to faith. God has to reveal himself and make people believe can't make people believe but you know what you and I can do that make a big difference we can do little things we can pray for people we don't even have to tell them we're praying for them we can just pray for them we can invite them to Easter service we can reach out with an act of kindness you know what I found if you'll pray for somebody regularly you'll know what to do there's not really a formula. There's not really a plan. This is all about a relationship. If you'll take the person that God revealed to you, that God wants to reveal himself through, through you to, if you'll take that person and you'll pray for them faithfully, you will see things you have never seen. And God will open doors that you may have not seen before that were open or maybe open new doors you will know what to do and you will know what to say there's an old saying that I love that says before you ever talk to anybody about Jesus talk to Jesus about them and I think it's exactly right so here's what I want to do this morning would you just stand with me I want to ask you to um I want to ask you to do something that I have really been praying that God would use this moment in your heart and in, and in our church. Would you, if you have a cell phone, would you take it out? Just take it out. But don't, don't turn it on. Just, just hold it in your hand. And re remember, remember this, right? He's the light of the world, but now you're the light of the world. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to sing this song. And as we're singing the song, we're going we're gonna to turn the lights way down. Just a minute. Everybody get somewhere you're not going to be scared. Not going to do a haunted house or nothing. Nothing's going to fly at you. Don't nobody touch anybody. All right, let's don't do none of that. Chill out. We've got to spread apart, spread apart, you know. But here's what I want you to do. When the lights go down and we start singing, I want you to pray. And I want you to ask God. I want you to ask Him who He has put in your life to reveal Him to. And when that name comes to your mind,
what I want you to do is I just want you to turn your cell phone on. Turn your flashlight or turn the screen on. And I just want you to hold it up. You know what's going to happen when you hold it up? This whole room's going to start to get lit. You know that? And you know what that's going to look like? That's going to look like what God wants this whole county to look like. Can you imagine as we begin to shine, as we begin to reveal God across this community, how much light there'll be? That's what this is going to look like. So go ahead and if you just pull the lights down and all the way down and worship team, if you just begin to sing this song, if you can sing in the dark. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back.